You are listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more media content or to find out more about our church, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Glad to be with you guys today. Um, if I can figure out how this thing works without breaking my iPad. All right. Um, so like Nick said, uh, my name is Ben. Um, I've been a missionary in Ukraine now for over 13 years. Um, my wife has been there her whole life because she's Ukrainian. Um, we have two kids, Abigail and Isaac, uh, eight and six respectively, who are in children's ministry right now. Um, the city that we're in, as Nick said, is called Svitlovotsk, uh, which if you don't speak Russian might be a little bit tricky to say. Uh, there is a trick to pronouncing it. I'm going to help you guys out with this. Uh, if, you were, if you were here a couple years ago when I came to speak last time, you may remember this trick. Um, so think of sweet and low, right? Little pink packets that give you cancer. Um, so sweet and low, take the N out, you don't need it, right? So it's just sweet, low. Come on, guys, let's wake up. Sweet, low, there we go. Uh, and then think Volks like a Volkswagen, all right? So it's sweet, low, Volks. Congratulations, you speak Russian. Um, now, uh, we've been in that city, I said I've been there for over 13 years. We've been in that city now for uh, 10 years. We actually just celebrated our church's 10-year anniversary this last May, uh, just, you know, a month ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've been just blessed to see all that God has done and is doing um, and in honor of that 10-year anniversary, uh, our church actually put together a little video project, which I'm going to share with you guys in a bit. Um, it's, you, you'll be able to actually see the city where we're at, uh, see some shots of our church, actually hear them uh, share about what God has done in their lives and hearts since coming. Um, it is subtitled in English, so don't worry, I don't expect you to understand the Russian. Um, but before we get to that, uh, I have the privilege of sharing with you guys this morning from the Word. Um, our church has a vision statement, which yours does as well. Ours is, uh, enjoy Jesus, stand fast in grace, live in love, and reach the world. Now, if you were reading the slide up here, you might have guessed which one I'm going to be talking to you about this morning. All right, the second point, stand fast in grace. Um, now, you might be thinking, okay, grace, yeah, Pretty basic, got it. Moving on. Um, it, it should be pretty basic stuff for us as the church, as Christians. Um, we use that word all the time uh, amongst ourselves and in churches, but I've found that many believers have misconceptions about grace. Uh, and I think that you could put those misunderstandings into two categories. The first category would be the contents of grace. In other words, what does that word mean? What goes into it? And the second category would be the continuity of grace, or what role does grace have in our lives after uh, we first come to Christ? So that's what I want to look at with you guys together this morning. First of all, the contents of grace. What is it? What does that word mean? Um, I remember once there was a guy who was going to our church for a while, um, and he had previously been in another church, and he told me that one day he went up to his former pastor, uh, and he asked his former pastor, Pastor, what is God's grace? And that pastor was kind of taken aback a bit by the simplicity of the question. 
And he fumbled for a second and he said, well, that's, you know, when the sun is shining and birds are singing and everything's going well. And I thought, really? <laughs> that's what God's grace is? Okay. Um, now, uh, you know, the Bible does say that every good gift is from the Father, so I'll give that guy the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's what he meant. But usually when we read about grace, uh, specifically in the New Testament, uh, that's not what it means. When we read about grace that God shows to those who put faith in Christ that leads to salvation, um, if we're talking about grace in a biblical context, uh, what's one of the first verses about grace in the New Testament that comes to your mind? Anybody? You guys awake this morning? That's it, right? That's the one. Ephesians 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. A lot of you guys are probably familiar with it. If you're not, uh, it says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, every Protestant church, every evangelical church will affirm that, that, yeah, we're saved by grace. If they don't affirm that, they have no right to call themselves Protestant. Uh, one of the mottos of the Protestant Reformation was a Latin phrase, sola gratia, which translated simply means by grace alone, right? Speaking of how we come to God, by grace alone. But even though we mostly agree with that fact that, yes, we're saved by grace, um, I think that we often still have a poor definition of it. Let me offer you guys a definition. You can tell me if you think that it's a good one or not. Um, and, and maybe a lot of believers would define grace like this, that when we put our faith in Christ, all of our past sin is forgiven, and God gives us a new chance. Good definition? You guys are like, I don't know, he's trying to trick me. Um, I am actually trying to trick you. You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, it's not a good definition. All right. Now, is it true that when we put our faith in Christ, God forgives our sin? Yes, it's true. But it's not a good definition, uh, at least for the fact that it's not a full definition. God's forgiveness is an important part of his grace, but it is certainly not the whole of his grace to us. The very first hint that we uh, diminish God's grace in our conception of it is the word itself. Uh, in English Bibles, everywhere where we read the word grace, uh, it's the Greek word charis, which is actually a very rich term in the original language. Uh, that word can be translated as goodwill, loving kindness, favor, or that which brings joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, or loveliness. All right, so it's a, it's a big definition, a very rich definition. Uh, so when we say that God has given us grace through Jesus Christ, what does that mean? Well, according to the definition, it means that God has given us favor. God shows us his goodwill. He pours out on us his benevolent love. That through the gift of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, we can find joy, pleasure, sweetness in God. And what's more amazing is that He can look at us and find beauty and pleasure and loveliness. So that already hints at the fact that we uh, have too small a definition of what God's grace is. But to get an even fuller picture, um, I want us to open the Word together to Ephesians chapter 1. If you guys have your Bibles with you, let's open Ephesians chapter 1. Um, or you can follow along on the screen if you don't. Uh, verses 3 through 6. 
This is actually one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Uh, Let's go ahead and read it. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 6. Paul here writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, here Paul lays out a little bit more thoroughly what God's grace is, what all is included in that. And if you continue on and were to read the rest of this chapter, you'll see that Paul uses the word grace very often in this first chapter of Ephesians. Uh, First of all, here in verse 3, he says that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings do you think there are? This is not a trick question. Like four, I don't know, five. Endless, right? I mean, if we, if we really sat and thought about it long enough, we could sit here all day and list different spiritual blessings, right? Peace, wisdom, joy, communion with God. I mean, we could go on and on. And here, Paul says that through Christ, God has already given us every spiritual blessing. In other words, God is much more generous than we can possibly imagine. He's much more generous than we often give him credit for. It says also here in verse 4 that he chose us before the foundations of the world. How amazing is that, right? That the self-sufficient, holy, perfect God, having need of nothing, chose you. And it says that he did this in verse 5, according to the pleasure or the counsel of his will. Right? And you're like, okay, what does that mean? It means because he wanted to. Right? We get lost in the Bible-y language sometimes. You're like, according to the purpose of his will. He wanted to. Right? He wanted you to be his child. Nobody made him choose you. Nobody made him save us. Nobody twisted his arm up in heaven and said, you have to rescue those people. It would have been perfectly just for him to leave us in our lost condition, but he didn't because he wanted to save us. His desire is for you. And it says also here in verse 4 that he made us holy and blameless before himself in love. Now, understand, it's not talking about our love for God, and that's why we're holy and blameless. It's talking about God's love for us. Because of the love that he poured out for us on the cross, we are made holy. We are blameless. We are made pure and righteous, as righteous as Jesus himself. And that might sound shocking, and it should sound shocking because it is, but in a wonderful way. If you are in Christ, if you have received that grace of God through Christ, you stand before God as holy and righteous as Jesus. How could that possibly be? The Bible says because Christ became righteousness from God for us. He is our righteousness. Right? That's mentioned in a number of old hymns. 
You know, that this is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And so even though our own hearts might condemn us and do condemn us, and even though other people might condemn us and the enemy condemns us certainly, Paul writes in Romans 8 that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. Not just like a little bit of condemnation, right? It doesn't say God got rid of most of the condemnation, uh, but there's still a little bit if you screw up, right? That's not what it says. It says there is absolutely no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. We are holy because of his love. It also says here in verse 5 that he has adopted us. He's made us his people. He's made us his family. We're no longer strangers. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ, Scripture says. In fact, we read in other places in the Bible that before we know Christ, we're actually children of wrath. We're children of the devil through our sin. But God brought us in. He made us part of his family. He saw us lost and dying and bleeding in the street. And he brought us in and gave us new life. And he calls us sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. Why did he do all that? Verse 6, it says right here, to the praise of his glorious grace. We need to understand what praise is. We usually use that word in a Christian context, speaking about praise songs, praise and worship. But step back for a second from the Christian context. What is praise? You know, if you go to some restaurant and it just blows your mind, I mean, the food is delicious, right? You know, what do you do? Five stars on Yelp. Boom! You know? Or you tell your friends, you're like, you guys got to check this out. What are you doing? Well, you're praising that restaurant, right? Or if you go and you watch a movie or you read a book or whatever and, um, you know, you love it, what do you do? You tell your friends. What are you doing? You're praising that thing. Listen, praise is simply the expression of our delight in something. That's all it is. To praise something means to express our delight in something. So when we read here, God poured out his grace on us for what purpose? So that we might delight in it. So that we might enjoy it and express that delight to his glory. Now, here in verse 6, um, the last phrase, it says that he has made us accepted in the beloved, or different translations have it slightly differently. Um, I went to school once, and uh, every once in a while on my report card, uh, there was this conspicuous half-circle-looking mark. I, I think it was a C, I'm not sure. Um, I went to public school. But uh, there used to be, I don't know if they still do this, there used to be at the top of the report card like a little key that explained the letters, right? It said A equals excellent, and B equals good, and C, well, acceptable, right? Like, not great, but we're not going to throw you out today. You know, it'll do. It'll, it, it's passing, but it's not awesome. And I think that sometimes we read this verse like that. That God made us acceptable or accepted, you know, like he gave us a C. You know, not great, you guys, but I guess you'll get in. That's not what it means. The word literally here uh, is actually from the same root word as the word grace. And it would be much more accurate to translate this phrase as God has made us beautiful, 
in the Beloved, in His Son. God didn't just give us a C or a C plus if we're having a good day or a C minus if we're having a bad day. He gave us an A plus, 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 because He sees us in His Son, who is perfect in our behalf. Now, if we're honest about how uh, we think God looks at us, when we imagine, you know, how God feels about me, we probably don't think that he sees us like this, that he sees us as beautiful, right? We think, well, you know, depending on how I've behaved over the course of the last few days, um, you know, I mean, yeah, I know he saved me, but, you know, he loves me, but he probably doesn't really like me, right? That's, that's a lie, First of all, that's not love, right? That's what we tell ourselves. You're like, I love that guy, I just can't stand him. You're lying to yourself, just so you know, all right? Uh, God actually loves us, right? And it's not just that, well, he loves me because he is love and probably he has no other choice. I don't know. The Bible says that if we're in Christ, if we have received that grace of God through Christ, he is enraptured with you. He sees you as beautiful in his beloved son. It has nothing to do with your performance. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for you. Now, if we're honest about our own sin, our own failings and shortcomings, this is amazing news, right? We think, what? God sees me as beautiful? How can that be? Of course, uh, maybe somebody would think, well, yeah, of course God sees me as beautiful. I mean, who wouldn't? Right? I mean, look at how faithful I am. Look at how hard I try. Look at how much I do. If you think like that, you don't know the gospel. If you think like that, you're self-righteous. You're a Pharisee. You think you know God, but you don't. The incredible part is that God looks at us who are unworthy, broken sinners and He's in love because He sees Jesus. Because we're in Him. And that's a phrase that's repeated all the time in the book of Ephesians, that we're in Christ, in Him. Uh, Here in verse 6, in the Beloved, speaking of Jesus. Now, this might seem like a very unrelated question, but bear with me. Uh, Terry and Lisa are not allowed to answer, so don't say anything. Who knows what I had for breakfast this morning? And my wife's also not allowed to answer. Who knows? Anybody? Guys, it's like right here. Come on. No? Well, maybe a little bit lower now. I don't know. It's getting late. No? You don't see it. Why? Because it's in me. And you don't see it. You just see me. Now, the point is not that Jesus ate us for breakfast, okay? But... The Bible says that we're in him. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He doesn't see all of our sin, all of our failings, all of our shortcomings, all of our stupidity. He sees the beauty, the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. And he's in love. That is the gospel, you guys. That is the good news. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Now, again, forgiveness is certainly an important part of that. 
right? And Paul goes on in verse 7 talking about how we have the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. But we've already seen just in this short passage that God's grace is so much more, so much more rich than we often give it credit for. But we also said that a lot of times we misunderstand not only the contents of grace, but also the continuity of grace. So let's look at that real quick. The continuity of grace, or uh, what does grace mean for our relationship with God? After we first come to him, after we put our faith in Christ, what role does grace have in the rest of the Christian walk? The definition that I gave you guys at the beginning that was a trick definition um, was not a good one because, if you remember, we said that God forgives all of our past sin and gives us another chance. Well, if you think about it, it gives us another chance to do what? Screw up again? Grace isn't about getting another chance. It's about getting another life. It's about getting another righteousness that is not our own but is imparted to us through God's grace. Also, we said that, you know, when we come to Christ, God forgives our past sin. Here's the question. Does God forgive only our past sin when we come to him? No. He forgives all of our sin, past and present and even future, even the stuff that you're going to do that you don't know that you're going to do. But God knows and he already forgave it. You're like, how can he do that? Because he's God. Because he knows everything. Because the Bible says he sees the end from the beginning. And he's forgiven it all. The problem is that a lot of times we think of grace as sort of this push start to the Christian life, right? Like, we're stuck in the mud of sin we can't get out, you know, and God comes along and he yanks us out by his grace, you know, wipes us off and sends us rolling. Good luck. See you in, I don't know, how long, however long it takes you to die. That's not what grace is, okay? Grace is not just a push start to the Christian life. Grace is the only foundation for the Christian life from the very beginning to the very end. It's the only basis that we ever have to come to God on, whether we got saved five minutes ago or whether we got saved 50 years ago. Now, I want us to look together at one more verse uh, in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, a couple books over from Ephesians, if you haven't closed it yet. Colossians, chapter 2, just one short verse, but a very important one, verse 6. Colossians 2, verse 6. Here Paul writes, As you therefore have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him. Let's read that one more time. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Or in other words, the same way that you received Jesus, in the same way continue. Now that begs the question, how did you receive Jesus? I don't know about you guys, I received Jesus sitting in a jail cell. You can ask me the story later, I'll tell you. Um, you know, but at that point, I didn't come to God and say, God, you know, bless me because look at how faithfully I'm serving you. Right? Look at all my good works. There were no good works. Right? I was sitting in a jail cell. 
I didn't come trying to impress God with anything that I had. I came as a broken, wretched sinner with absolutely nothing of my own. No reason in myself for God to accept or bless me. But I cast myself wholly on His grace, wholly on His mercy. And He poured it out abundantly. And here's the truth, that whether you got saved in jail or not is not the point. That's the same way you came to Christ. As a broken, wretched sinner, with nothing of your own, no reason in yourself for God to bless you, but trusting and hoping only in the grace of God given through Jesus Christ. And guess what? If that's not how you came, you haven't come to Christ. You might know a lot about God. You might have heard a lot. You might have been in church all your life. But if you're coming before God, trusting in your own ability, trusting in your own goodness, you haven't come to Christ yet. Until you cast yourself wholly on his grace. And if you haven't, today would be a great day to do that. But, here's the problem. Most of us, you know, when we come to Christ, we realize that. We realize that, you know, I have nothing of my own. I'm trusting completely in God's grace. But as soon as we come, we switch back. We move back to trying to impress God, trying to earn something from him. We say, okay, well, yeah, grace, cool, um, but maybe it's like a loan that I have to return with interest. I don't know. You know, may I, now I really have to prove, my, yes, God forgave me, now I really have to prove myself worthy. You know, and we begin to approach God no longer wholly on the basis of his grace. We begin to try to mix in our own works. Maybe not for salvation, not that somebody would say, well, save me because look at how you know, holy and sanctified I now am, although maybe somebody would go that far. But we usually put it in in little doses, like, Lord, answer my prayer because look how fervently I'm praying. God, bless me in this area because after all, I'm faithfully serving you. You know, God, do this because after all, I read a chapter a day. Woohoo! You know, God wrote the book. He's not that impressed with the chapter a day, okay? And we talk about God's grace, and we still use that word, but functionally, we're legalists. We approach God on the basis of what we do rather than on the basis of what Christ has done. Paul writes in Romans chapter 11 that if it's by grace, then it's no longer by work. Otherwise, grace is not grace. And if it's by work, then it's no longer by grace. Otherwise, work is not work. In other words, you cannot mix the two. Not as far as uh, concerns your approach to God. Not as a basis for his blessing or acceptance or love. You cannot mix the two. Either you're coming completely on the basis of his grace, or you're a Pharisee, and you're coming and you're trying to impress him with your own measly, petty little works. And that's not going to turn out so well. Sometimes I share, I mean, I get a chance to share at a lot of different churches, and sometimes um, the pastor or somebody else will come up and kind of pray for me afterwards, you know, and they'll say something like, you know, oh God, you know, bless this brother, you know, for his faithful service in Ukraine. I'm not going to stop that guy in the middle of a prayer because that would be rude. But in my heart I'm thinking, no, God, don't bless me according to my faithfulness because that's going to be awful. 
right? Don't bless me according to my works because it's going to be teeny tiny, right? Instead, bless me according to your faithfulness. Instead, bless me according to your abundant, rich grace. Nick's going to know not to do that now. Um, See, the problem is our pride. Even as Christians, we still have inherent pride in our hearts. And we want to think that we're still worthy of at least something good, but guess what? We're not. Not in ourselves. Paul writes that in myself, that is, in my flesh, myself without God, there is no good thing. He doesn't say there's just not enough good things. He says there's nothing good outside of Christ. See, if God were to take and give us the option that we would be judged on one day of our life, you get to pick, right? Okay, the, the best, most sort of spiritual, holy day of your life, like you're in church from morning till evening, you know, you're, you're praying, you're sharing Jesus with people, you know, and if God was to give you the choice to judge you based on your works, your life, one day, pick a day, pick the best day, each of us would go to hell like that. Because we have no idea how far we actually are in ourselves from the glory of God, from His holiness and righteousness. We don't realize how sinful we really are. God realizes it, and amazingly, he still loves us. But the good news is that we're not judged according to our works. That is, if we've put our faith in, faith in Christ. We are accepted, we are loved, we are secure and confident in our salvation because of his grace alone. Not only in the beginning, but all throughout our Christian walk. Now somebody will argue and say, well, you can't tell people that because if they think it's only about God's grace, they're just going to go sin it up. You know, it's going to be like Sinfest 2015. No, it's not. It's not. In fact, the opposite is going to happen. Now, yeah, there's people who will call themselves Christians and, you know, kind of bandy about the word grace and be like, oh yeah, you know, God's gracious, you know, pass the joint, whatever, I don't know. Um, it's legal here now, so, um, you know, uh, and, and people who will just use grace as an empty word to live in sin, to live for themselves, those people don't know the gospel. Or if they do, they're seriously abusing it. But here's the problem. A lot of Christians will suggest a different solution then so that nobody can abuse it. Let's just take it away. We don't want grace abused, so let's not give it to them. Right? You've got to make sure that people live for God. Well, how are you going to do that? Scare them. Right? Threaten them. Tell them that it's up to you to maintain your salvation. It's up to you. You better try really hard because, yeah, God forgave you in the beginning, but he might change his mind. And you got to keep it up. And if you don't, you're in danger. Look out. Now, you can get somebody to do a lot of stuff that way. You can manipulate a person through fear and threats. And they'll do a lot of the external stuff that they're supposed to do that they think they have to do as a Christian. But I'll tell you what, that person will never love God. That person will never worship God. Because he sees God as a threat. 
not as a father and a friend. He has the mentality of a slave, not the mentality of a child. He will resent God, in fact, for having to do all these things. Here's the thing. He'll do them, but he doesn't really want to do them. He'll do the right thing, but he doesn't want to do it. In contrast, the Christian who really knows the gospel, who really knows Christ, wants to do the right thing even when he doesn't, even when that doesn't work out. Listen, the Pharisee is grieved by his own obedience. The Christian is grieved by his own sin. A legalist will try to transform himself externally, manipulating his own heart through threats and fear. But the Christian's heart is transformed from the inside out through seeing the love and the grace of God. That's what will transform your life. That's what makes us want to follow him in the first place. Unless grace is the whole basis of our walk with God, then Christianity is just an attempt to restrain the sin of our heart. But if it is based on God's grace from the very beginning to the very end, that's what transforms our heart. That's what makes us want to know and follow the God who's loved us to the very end. That is what will change lives. That is the gospel. And that's also the message we believe that Ukraine is so deeply in need of. Now, uh, that's a message that we have seen transform lives in the years that we've been there. Uh, now I want to go ahead and roll that video and show you guys so you can kind of see and hear um, how God is working there in our city of Svitlovotsk in Ukraine. Um, so if you want to go ahead and roll that, Alex. Or not. I could just pantomime it for you if you want. My name is Benjamin Morrison. I am the founder and lead pastor of Calvary Chapel Svitlovotsk in Ukraine. And we just want to share a little bit about what God has done in our church and in our city over the last 10 years since we've been here, uh, what He is doing and what we believe He will do. Ukraine is a country of about 45 million people less than 4% officially of the population uh, are evangelical Christians. And so there is a great need for the gospel to go forth in Ukraine. The city that we are in is a small city in central Ukraine. The population is about 50,000 people. And as Ukraine is less than 4% evangelical, that means that there are less than 2,000 at the very most evangelical believers in our city. There's about a dozen evangelical churches, but the sad news is that a lot of those evangelical churches aren't really preaching the gospel. После того, как я перешёл в Голгофу, я действительно понял, что Бог во мне видит не былого грешника, а видит действительно кровь Христа на мне. Я больше узнаю, какой Бог прекрасный, и как бы чем больше Ты познаешь Бога, я познаю Бога, тем больше я понимаю, насколько Господь меня любит и, и какую большую жертву принес. Свидловодск was one of a handful of cities that my wife and I were praying about moving to to plant a church. 
we took a trip here in 2005 to sort of scout out the land to seek God's will uh, and see if this is where he would have us to come. During that week that we were here, we visited a couple of the already existing evangelical churches and were very burdened by what we saw um, and honestly were angered. We went to one church and the preacher uh, basically told everybody that if they were not busy doing whatever various ministries they were supposed to be doing, that they would lose their salvation and he just kept repeating that. And I remember sitting there and seeing people's faces, how they slumped in their chairs, how some of them even began crying, not out of repentance, but out of condemnation, uh, because there was no good news in that message. There was only legalism and bad news. And we realized very quickly that this city was in deep need of a Bible-teaching, gospel-preaching, grace-based church. Uh, and that's what God used really to draw us here, to call us to this city. что Божья благодать, она дана мне даром. И Бог меня любит не за то, что я хорошо стараюсь и хорошо делаю, а за то, что просто я его дитё. The vision that we believe God has put on our heart for Calvary Chapel of Svitlovodsk is enjoy Jesus, stand fast in grace, live in love, and reach the world. The first point, enjoy Jesus, simply that uh, our worship of Him uh, is first and foremost expressed in our delight of who he is, what he has done for us. Uh, too many people, too many Christians uh, look at worship as a duty, think that God is interested in just us putting check marks in the appropriate boxes. But the Bible says that uh, the church is the bride of Christ and uh, that picture is used all throughout that our relationship with God is to be one of intimacy, one of closeness and delight in one another. С ним вместе находясь на наслаждение им. Ну, прежде всего это, наверное, благодарность всё равно и за Христа, и за милость. Что бы я ни делал, я должен видеть в этом Христа. И когда я буду его видеть, ну, это будет вызывать во мне we believe that uh, it's important for us as God's people to stand fast in grace. That means that not only do we come to God on the basis of His grace rather than our works, but that we continue with Him on the basis solely of that grace to the very end. The book of Colossians in chapter 2 says that as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So in the same way that we came to God with nothing, not trying to prove ourselves, but relying solely on His mercy, the Bible says that that's exactly how we should come to Him every time. Раньше я думала, что Божье Слово — это как инструкция, как мне нужно себя вести, а сейчас я понимаю, что Божье Слово — это э, Слово об Иисусе и о том, какой Он. 
Библия об Иисусе, от, от одной корочки и до последней корочки. Здесь идет об Господе, о моем Спасителе. Но в церкви Голгофы я больше ощутила, что церковь это тело Христова. То есть я и я часть этого тела. Здесь моя семья, здесь те, которые меня поддержат любую минуту, чтобы я не, не сотворила какие глупые поступки. Ну, в первую очередь здесь, как, бы, как вот мой второй дом. Также мне нравится, что в церкви ты можешь быть не только потребителем, а и помогать другим. Finally, the last point of the vision that God has given us for Calvary Chapel, Svetlovodsk, is to reach the world, uh, meaning to reach the world with the gospel. People are dying in need of hope, in need of love, and only Jesus can give it to them. We believe that as we are rooted in God's love, uh, in His grace, that as we're delighting and enjoying Jesus Himself and living in love with one another, that all of that then flows out to the world to reach them with what they need most. И через це пізнання Бога, через Його благодать, через цю любов, спасаючу любов, ну мені легше стало любити других людей, служити другим людям, понімати їх. Стараюсь не нажимати на людей, ну просто розказати їм Боже серце, дати понять. Я розумію, що Бог спасає. Я не можу спасти цих людей, але те, що я можу, це щоб вони побачили Христа через мене. Thank you guys for praying for us, uh, for being interested and involved with God's work in Svetlovodsk, Ukraine. Pray that God would bless you and may God bless the country of Ukraine. Um, so there you got to see a little bit of our church and just hear what God is doing. Um, really quickly, just want to give you guys uh, a few things, a little bit of information here. Uh, first of all, a few prayer requests. Um, if you want to switch the prayer slide up. Um, we go and share, uh, come back to the States once every two or three years. Um, and I always meet a lot of people who will come up and say, oh yeah, you know, we're praying for you guys. You know, we're praying for you every week. Uh, and to be honest, I mean, maybe I don't even remember the name of that person who told me that, but God knows their name, and I believe he's hearing their prayers and he's answering their prayers. And we wouldn't see most of what we're seeing there if it weren't for all the people praying for us. So we really do value that if you guys would pray for us. Um, you can see some requests up here. First of all, for God's peace in Ukraine. Um, now, I'm sure most of you have heard or know there's a war going on in Ukraine. Uh, basically with Russia, although Putin doesn't want to admit that, but it is. Um, the statistics say that over 6,000 people have been killed so far. Uh, the real statistics are at least twice that high. Uh, there are over a million refugees 
uh, from the far eastern part of the country that have fled mostly to other cities in Ukraine. Uh, we have quite a few in our city and actually some in our church as well. Um, and yet, despite that tragedy and through that tragedy, we see God's hand moving. Uh, we see an openness in people's hearts to the gospel that we haven't seen in many years. Uh, people are asking questions about death and eternity because they have to, because they don't know when they'll meet it. Um, and so it's like it says um, in the story of Joseph in Genesis that what the enemy intended for evil, God has used for good. And he's doing that, and we see him doing that. And so we ask that you would pray for God's peace in Ukraine. Yes, an end to the bloodshed. Yes, uh, political peace. But more than that, that people would come to peace with God through Jesus Christ during this time, and that God would equip the church um, to bring the gospel to those who need to hear it. Um, also, if you would pray just for spirit-filled leaders in our church, uh, we're blessed to see God raising up uh, a number of young men as leaders in the church, but just that he would continue that work. Um, also, just that we would be empowered to reach the city, our city, with the gospel. Um, as you heard in the video, Ukraine is less than 4% evangelical, which means that in our city of 50,000 people, 48,000 people are on the way to hell. And that's sobering and tragic. Uh, and we believe that God wants to reach them, that he wants to save them. So pray that he would give us his power and vision how to do that. Uh, pray also for church planting. Um, a little over a year ago, we actually sent out a family, Ukrainian family, from our church to a, another city about a three-hour drive away from us. Uh, and they've begun a Bible study in that city uh, and are hoping to see it grow into a church, if that's God's will. Um, so pray for them specifically, and there's lots of cities in Ukraine, uh, some that don't have any evangelical church at all, literally, and even more that don't have a good one. So pray that God would raise up laborers and send them into the harvest because, as the verse on your guys' bulletin says, the harvest is truly white. All right? Uh, pray also for uh, a permanent facility for our church. This is something that the leadership of our of our church there has been praying about for about the last year and believe that God may be wanting to do that in the near future. Um, along with the crisis happening in Ukraine, uh, property values are plummeting, um, which is overall a bad thing, but may allow us to uh, either build or buy something much more realistically than previously. Uh, we have, we're, we're in the middle of a fundraising, fundraising project for that. We're hoping to raise $60,000 to build about a 3,000-square-foot facility. Uh, we've already got about 20 25% of that. Um, so if you're interested in being involved with that, um, specifically that need, uh, I'll give you a link in a couple seconds how you can do that, or you can just come up to me and ask afterwards. Um, and then also personally just for our family, for... Uh, health and God's continued financial provision. Uh, health tends to be a big area of attack for us, uh, particularly before some kind of a big outreach. So just that God would, um, you know, take care of us in that way. We'd be grateful to, for those prayers. Um, and then if you guys are wanting, feel just burdened to be involved with financial support of the ministry, um, you can click to the next one. There it is. Um, so there's info how you guys can do that up here. Uh, the first link uh, that says online is just general support of our family and ministry. Um, we're at about 70% of our long-term support goal, so we're praying that God would raise up about 40 families who would commit to 20 bucks a month. 
um, pray, and if God lays that on your heart, that's how you can do that. Um, and then also you see there the second link is specifically for the building fund, if that's something you're interested in being involved with. Um, it is a separate fund from our personal stuff, so you can go to that link uh, to be involved with that. And then um, if you're afraid of the internet as a whole, um, or at least of doing financial stuff on it, uh, you can still do checks. Um, you would make it out not to us, but to Horizon Missions, and then send it to uh, the address there with a separate note that says that it's for us. Um, and then lastly, just want to encourage you guys to connect with us. Um, there it is. Uh, so our church's Facebook page is up here. That's probably uh, the most updates and information. Uh, so you can get on there and like that. Some of the posts are in Russian, but don't let the Cyrillic alphabet scare you. All right? So there's a lot of English stuff on there too. Just weed through it. Um, we also have Twitter. I don't know why. I don't know why anybody has Twitter. But if you do that, um, if you're into that, you can, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, this long address with scary-looking words is our church website. They're Russian, that's why. Um, uh, so you can check out our website. We also we have it in both Russian and English, so you won't be lost there. Um, and then the final link uh, is the link to sign up for our newsletter, uh, which, again, if you have smartphones, you can just punch that right in where you're sitting and sign up in your seat. Um, if you are intimidated about doing that or if your phone is not smart but dumb, um, you can come up to us. We have a little table there in the back afterwards. We will get you signed up for the newsletter. Um, and then also, uh, come up anyway, even if you do sign up in your seats, and grab a prayer magnet, all right? We've got a bunch of these. Uh, some of you may have grabbed them from the last time we were here. These are new ones. My kids are bigger, okay? So please, we got a bunch of them, so please come up and grab one. Um, they are magnetic, so you can slap them on your fridge, unless it's aluminum, and then that's up to you. Um, you know, and so when you're going for your midnight donut and praising God for that gluten-free deliciousness, you can also pray for the missionaries in Ukraine, um, and we'll be there smiling at you. Um, so grab one of these, and also all that information I just gave you, the prayer requests, uh, how to be involved with financial support, and how to connect with us. All that information is on the side of this magnet. Somebody at another church I shared at was like, why didn't you tell me that before you told me all the information? I was like, because I wanted you to pay attention. Um, so all that information is on the side of these magnets if you didn't get it written down. The only thing that's not on the side of this magnet, two things. The building fund link, because uh, we just got that set up and also the newsletter sign up. So you're not gonna be able to do that with just a magnet, so please come up to us at the back table, sign up for the newsletters. Um, thank you guys, thank you for your time, attention, for your prayers for us. Let me pray for all of us now, and we'll close it out. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much, uh, just for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your grace, which is so rich, so abundant, so free. God, we pray that we would um, not only Start with you by grace, God, but that your grace would be the foundation of our relationship with you, would draw us ever closer to your heart, would create ever more delight and worship in our lives. We thank you, God. Pray that you would just continue to root us in your glorious gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was brought to you by Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more media content or to find out more about our church, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com.